This podcast is made for educational purposes only. Please consult current references before providing any advice to your patients. Hello and welcome. Today our topic is ulcerative colitis. Ulcerative colitis is an inflammatory bowel disease affecting the very superficial layer of the colon, colonic mucosa, and limited to the large intestine only, the colon. The inflammation normally starts in the rectum and spreads proximally or up. In some cases, it may affect the entire colon. Most common symptoms are diarrhea with passing blood, abdominal or rectal pain and cramping, urgency to defecate, fatigue and weight loss. It is normally diagnosed with the use of an endoscopic procedure and a histology assessment. Fecal cal protecting testing can help to exclude the diagnosis of IBD. The treatment approach is very similar to the treatment of Crohn's disease. Firstly, we want to administer medications for the induction of remission and then ensure that the patient receives the maintenance therapy. Let's have a closer look at the induction therapy first in patients with ulcerative colitis. We said that ulcerative colitis usually starts in the rectum and extends proximally. If the inflammation is confined to the rectum only, the patient may benefit from using suppositories alone. If the inflammation spreads further than 20 cm from the anus, then the patient could be prescribed an enema or a foam. The foam preparations are well tolerated and can reach the mid-sigmoid colon. Enemas are not as well tolerated and are much harder to retain, but can reach as far as the entire left-sided colon. Rectal formulations are better tolerated when administered at night time. If both rectum and distal parts of the colon are affected, the preferred treatment option is a combination of an oral and a rectal 5-aminosalicylate. For rectal administration, we use mesalazine preparations. We've got suppositories, pentaza or salafalc. They are administered once or twice a day. Form, salafalc, or enema, pentaza and salafalc brands, 1 to 4 gram a day in 1 or 2 daily doses. Both pentaza and salafalc rectal preparations are subsidized under PBS. If rectal mesalazine formulations are not effective, a rectal corticosteroid could be considered. For example, budesonide, budenofalc, foam applicator once a day, or hydrocortisone acetate foam, coliform, one applicator once or twice a day, or prednisolone enema, pretzol, or in case of isolated proctitis, a suppository once or twice a day. Just like in the treatment of Crohn's disease, we taper corticosteroids once a clinical response is achieved. Corticosteroids should not be used as a maintenance therapy. In unresponsive cases, rectal formulations of tacrolimus can be obtained through hospital and compounding pharmacies as another option. Oral preparations of 5-aminosalicylates are balsalazide, mesalazine, olsalazine, and sulfasalazine. Sulfasalazine comes in two tablet forms, a conventional tablet and an enteric-coated formulation. Both are 500 mg. Enteric-coated formulation seems to be tolerated better. The dose varies from 2 gram to 4 gram a day. 
The dose can be taken once a day or divided into two to four doses and taken with a meal. We should warn our patients that the body fluids might get discolored by the medication. Urine, tears and skin may become more orange. The medication may also discolor soft lenses. Sulfasalazine has many adverse reactions. Some of them could be very serious. Patients should be monitored for severe rashes, hepatitis, pancreatitis, agranulocytosis, and aplastic anemia. Most cases of agranulocytosis will present as fever and rash, and most commonly in the first three months of treatment. It can be fatal if not treated. Some side effects could be dose-dependent and may resolve with a dose reduction. For example, headache, anorexia, nausea, diarrhea, hemolytic or megaloblastic anemia. Sulfasalazine affects folic acid absorption from the diet. Folic acid 1 mg a day should be taken by all patients receiving prolonged treatment with sulfasalazine and 5 mg daily by pregnant women. This medication should not be used in men trying to conceive as it can affect male fertility. Many adverse reactions associated with the use of sulfasalazine are attributed to its sulfapyridine component. So, unconjugated 5-aminosalicylic acid was developed. It's called mesalazine. Mesalazine is getting rapidly absorbed in the small intestine with less than 20% reaching the colon. Therefore, multiple formulations were invented to preserve mesalazine for longer to increase its colonic delivery. Mesalazine comes in a few different preparations. Modified release granules, pintaza and salafalc, enteric-coated tablets, mesasal, salafalc, asacol, and controlled release tablets, pentaza, salafalc, and mesavant. The recommended daily dose for induction therapy is between 2 and 4.8 grams a day. Different brands and formulations of mesalazine are not interchangeable with the exception for mesavant and mesalazine takeda controlled release tablets. All granules and pentaza tablets can be taken without the relation to food. Pintaza tablets can be dispersed in a small amount of water just before the administration. Mesasal and salafalc tablets are taken on an empty stomach. Balsalazide, colazide, is a 5-aminosalicylic acid linked to a carrier molecule. The colonic bacteria is required to unattach the carrier molecule to activate the 5-aminosalicylic acid. The carrier molecule doesn't get absorbed and is inactive. Three capsules, three times a day with food, are administered to induce the remission. Olsalazine, Dependum, is made of two 5-aminosalicylic acids joined together. The medication is activated in the colon by colonic bacteria. Olsalazine comes in a tablet and a capsule forms. Recommended dose is up to 3 grams a day with a meal. 5-aminosalicylic acid compounds are much better tolerated compared to sulfasalazine. Diarrhea affects almost 10% of patients and might be relieved if those medications are taken with food. Most mild adverse reactions normally resolve within 4-8 to eight weeks. If a patient has worsening of colitis with symptoms of diarrhea, bleeding, stomach pain and in some cases fever, a rash and a headache, 
It is considered an allergic reaction to 5-amino salicylates and this class shouldn't be continued in these patients. Both balsalazine and olsalazine require dosing 2-3 to three times a day. Sulfasalazine may be taken 3-4 to four times a day. Mesalazine dosing depends on the formulation and can be administered once a day for most formulations. All 5-amino salicylic acids are contraindicated if a patient has an allergy to salicylates and sulfasalazine is also contraindicated in patients with an allergy to sulfonamides. If the response to the treatment of left-sided colitis and proctitis remain poor, an oral corticosteroid can be added in the same dose as per induction of therapy of Crohn's disease or budesonide multi-matrix formulation Cortiment can be tried. Multimatrix system is a unique controlled release formulation that delivers the topical treatment to the entire colon. Unfortunately, it's not subsidized by PBS. For patients with more extensive spread of ulcerative colitis, both 5-amino salicylic acids and systemic corticosteroids are used. For even more severe disease, we add an immunomodulator. Once initiated, it takes a few weeks to a few months for an immunomodulator to achieve the full benefit, so they are continued together with other treatment options to induce remission and then continued as a maintenance treatment. Some appropriate options are azathioprine, mercaptopurine or tioguanine if azathioprine or mercaptopurine are not tolerated. We can also use TNF-alpha inhibitors infliximab, adalimumab and galimumab, and others such as vedalizumab and ustikinumab, although ustikinumab is not listed on PBS for this indication. Another newer addition is tofacitinib. Tofacitinib is an immunosuppressant Janus kinase inhibitor. The medication comes in a tablet form 5mg and 10mg tablets. We use 10mg twice a day during the induction therapy. Then the dose is reduced to 5 mg twice a day for maintenance therapy. The last but not the least is Ozanimod capsules. This medication is an immunosuppressant. It's reducing the number of lymphocytes traveling into the CNS and intestine by trapping them in lymph nodes. It is subsidized by PBS for the treatment of MS only at this stage, so even though it is a possible treatment option, it may not be affordable for many patients diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. It is also a very new drug, so we don't know enough about its possible side effects and interactions yet. Once the patient achieves clinical remission, we start maintenance therapy of ulcerative colitis. Generally speaking, the patient will normally continue using the same 5-aminosalicylic acid, rectal and oral, that were effective in achieving the remission, but the dose or frequency will be reduced. For example, mesalazine rectal formulations will be continued just 2-3 to three times a week instead of daily administration. The dose of oral 5-aminosalicylates will be approximately half of the induction dose. Check the dose for each formulation in AMH or therapeutic guidelines. Patients initiated on an immunomodulator will remain on the effective treatment. 
most patients receiving treatment with monoclonal antibodies are prescribed another immunomodulator for at least 12 to 18 months. After this period of time, the patient may be switched to a monoclonal antibodies monotherapy. This is a common approach to reduce the risk of anti-drug antibodies. Although ustikinumab is considered to have low immunogenicity rates and can be often used as monotherapy, unless there is a history of developing anti-drug antibodies to previous biologicals. Those patients who present with an acute episode of severe disease are administered IV corticosteroids for a few days until there is an improvement. As most of them would be receiving immunomodulator therapy, it is important to exclude an acute infectious cause. To sum up, the first choice of induction therapy in ulcerative colitis is 5-aminosalicylates. The induction therapy in severe inflammatory bowel disease is similar in both ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, with immunomodulators, including biologicals, playing the main role. Steroids can be helpful in acute settings, but we do not use them as a maintenance therapy for either Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. Medications that were successful in achieving the remission in ulcerative colitis will be continued during the maintenance therapy, but at the reduced dose and frequency in the case of 5-aminosalicylates. The treatment of inflammatory bowel disease is usually lifelong. Thank you for listening. Stay up to date with Farmtastic 4.